by using manual processes and things like email and spreadsheet, you are opening your supply chain up to tremendous risk. So by investing in some sort of software, it's likely that the software is going to have security measures and things in place that are much more advanced than those manual systems and things that you've been doing. Welcome to Modern Business Operations, where we talk with leaders about how ops is adapting to our modern world. Welcome everyone to another episode of Modern Business Operations. I am your host, Brianna Autry, head of your Adaptive Ops community. Today, I am joined by the manufacturing maven herself, Miss Sarah Scudder. She is the Chief Marketing Officer at Source Day. Welcome to the show, Sarah. I'm happy to have you here. Thank you. I like to have fun titles. So manufacturing <laughs> title for 2023. Oh, you change it every year? Sometimes I do. Oh, I like that. I might steal that, actually. That's really clever. So this conversation is going to be interesting because Sarah has her own podcast called What the Duck, and it is a procurement-focused podcast. Sarah, I'll let you kind of share a little bit more about the specifics of that because I might butcher this. So I joined Source Day end of 2021. This was my first time in the direct materials space. I had always been on the indirect side, spent a lot of my career in marketing procurement, decided I wanted to learn about direct materials procurement and had a passion and interest in the manufacturing space. So was super excited when I had the opportunity to come and build out the marketing team and help set the strategy and go to market for Source Day. And I'm a huge believer in community building. I think one of the most important things we can do as leaders and marketers is to provide useful, valuable content to the right people and build community so we allow people to collaborate and network and share ideas. And as part of that community building, I decided with the help of my team to launch a podcast last year called What the Duck? The Green Rubber Duck is our Source Day mascot. We've had a lot of fun with that. The duck jokes just kind of flow. Getting ducking <laughs> with it, ain't ducking around, duck, duck, go. There's lots that you can do with it. And the purpose of the podcast is to talk about things happening in direct materials procurement as it relates to manufacturing. So it's a very, very niche podcast that mm -hmm. was done with intention to develop a community and help share ideas and things that are relevant to people working for manufacturers specifically in the direct procurement space. Also, we launched a meetup group called All Hands on Duck. We get together mm -hmm. twice a month virtually, and it's a community that was created for people working in supply chain globally, both on the buy and sell side. And each time we meet, we also talk about a different supply chain topic. So people come prepared with their thoughts and feelings about whatever the topic of the hour is. Awesome. Well, I am so excited to sort of turn the tables and have you be the interviewee for once here. And so we're going to get into our topic today in just a second. Today, we're going to chat about how process automation is revolutionizing the supply chain. There's a lot of noise, as always, about automation in every space. In procurement in particular, I think it's especially relevant given what's happened over the last two years in the procurement space. And so we're kind of going to dig into that. 
just off the top, before we get started, I do record in front of a live audience. So hello, live audience. We have folks in our webinar platform, Goldcast, and we have folks on LinkedIn Live listening in. So if you're in either of those places, folks on Goldcast, you can post questions in the chat. Folks on LinkedIn Live, you can post questions on the comments thread on the post for Sarah as we're chatting, and we will get to them as they come in. So with that being said, I know you talked a little bit about your background, but would you mind sharing what you did pre-source day? I want to dig into why you decided to move from indirect to direct. You know, kind of sparked that. So I was planning to go into fashion. I wanted to produce runway shows. I did runway modeling in high school. I quickly learned that the modeling and fashion industry is quite brutal and cutthroat. And typically by the time you're 30, your career is over and did not think that was something that would bode well for me long term. So when I was a senior in college, I was putting on a big fundraising event for my sorority and I had to source and procure all of these marketing related things for our event. Now, I had two majors and a minor. I was very involved in just about everything on campus, didn't have a lot of bandwidth, could barely pronounce the word procurement, let alone spell it. So I found a local company that I outsourced sourcing and procuring all things marketing procurement related for our event. So our media, our swag, our apparel, all the things that we needed to do to effectively market and run the event. After the event, they said, hey, do you want to come work for us? We want more women and we want younger people. We are also interested in developing an internship with Sonoma State, which is the university that I was at. And I decided to take the job. And so I spent the first part of my career really in sales, working for a local company in Sonoma County wine country and helped take the company national and actually picked up some international clients as well. And we were selling supply chain software specifically targeted at people working in marketing procurement. So worked with a lot of people in marketing and procurement to help them source and procure the things they needed to optimize the marketing at their companies. And when I was doing that, I didn't love all the cold outreach that was involved with sales. I thought it was a very antiquated, outdated process and figured, why am I spending all this time reaching out to people that don't really want to talk to me? I did a 90-day LinkedIn challenge for myself where I posted once a day, every day for 90 days, changed the course of my career, helped me build a personal brand, and I started driving inbounds instead of having to outbound. And with that, I decided that I loved marketing. I loved content creation. I loved becoming an influencer and learning how to build a brand. And I decided then that I wanted to pivot into more of a marketing career path. And with that, I also had spent over 10 years on the indirect side and didn't have any direct experience. And I said, you know what, if I'm going to learn all aspects of supply chain from end to end, I really need to understand how direct materials works because it is such an essential part of supply chain. There are billions and billions of dollars spent on parts and materials and other direct supplies. And I wanted to learn how it worked. So I combined the two things that I was really wanting to do was pivot and get into marketing and be in the direct material space and had an opportunity arise at Source Day to spearhead and build out their marketing team and strategy and in turn work for a company that was 100% focused on the direct material space. 
Wow, you really carved out your own little piece of the world there, didn't you? That's a fascinating career story. I could interview you about that just for the rest of this time. I wish I could, but we only have 30 minutes. So like I mentioned earlier, automation, everyone's talking about it. Everyone's sort of pivoting to talk about AI. They sort of go hand in hand in my mind in a lot of ways. But the last two years saw a massive disruption in the supply chain. Anyone in procurement knows this. So how do you see the companies that you're talking to in your community? How are they coping in the aftermath of that? So the biggest challenge in the direct material space and manufacturing over the last three years has been securing supply. So companies are ordering parts and materials, and they are now no longer able to get their orders fulfilled. was never really an issue or challenge pre-COVID. COVID hit and it was like, wow, I'm actually issuing purchase orders, wanting these to be fulfilled, and the suppliers are not able to fulfill my orders. So that was hands down the biggest disruption in supply chain in my space. Now, what are companies coping? How are they coping? So a couple things. One is single sourcing is no longer an option. And what I mean by single sourcing is if you are relying on one supplier for parts or materials and they are essential to your business, you need to find alternative suppliers. You cannot rely on a single supplier. That part of the world may shut down. They may have supply chain disruptions. There may be issues that happen. And if they are it and you can't get those parts and materials, therefore you can't produce your product and your revenue is impacted and your production line will be shut down. So organizations have pivoted and are focused on finding alternative supply sources for just about every component and every part of the supply chain. So diversifying your suppliers meaning you have multiple suppliers, and then also making sure your suppliers are located in different parts of the world. If your entire supply base is located in China and China shuts down for a month, that has a big impact on your business and your ability to continue to service your customers. The second piece and the second way that organizations are coping with the aftermath is they are investing in automation to automate a lot of the manual day-to-day tasks that their buyers are spending three, four, five hours a day doing, which is not giving them the time that they need to focus on being strategic and building relationships and collaborating with their suppliers. Suppliers have become the most important stakeholder in your business. And if you do not treat them as the most important stakeholder, you will not be a customer of choice. And when there is a supply issue, you will not get your orders fulfilled and you will not be able to deliver to your customers. That was very succinct. Thank you. And in terms of diversifying and ordering from multiple places, how do you think people should prioritize? Should they have their main source and then sort of go to the next one when that doesn't work out? What is the process behind that? Yeah. So the first thing that's important to do is actually get a list together of all of your suppliers and prioritize your suppliers. And there's a couple of ways that that should be done. One is how much are you spending with those suppliers? Are you spending $5 a year? Are you spending $2 million a year? Second is risk. What is the risk associated with each of those suppliers? Is one of those suppliers super, super high risk? Is one supplier not as high risk? So you have a revenue spend, you have a risk factor, and then you have an impact to your business. 
for instance, is it a supplier that is the only supplier in the world that produces that one part or component? Is it a piece that's very interchangeable? Are there lots of other options in the market? So those three factors, you want to build out a list and prioritize your suppliers. And then you want to start at the top, your highest priority suppliers first. You want to go out and start sourcing alternative suppliers based on that. Do you need to have an alternative source for absolutely everything you buy? In a perfect world, yes, you would, but that may not be an option, especially if you're a very small procurement team. You maybe only have a couple buyers. You have to prioritize biggest impact to your company first. And then I would argue your question was around how do you handle when you have an alternative supplier? If it's me, I want to start working with alternative suppliers now so I get a sense of how they operate, how they work. I may want to test the quality of their parts and materials. So you can have a main supplier and continue to work with them, but I would diversify sending at least some of that business to an alternative supplier. So you start building that relationship and you start figuring out how that supplier works and operates. If you can have alternative sources beyond just two, in some cases, that's very optimal. You may have three or four or five suppliers for a single part, and you may be sending small orders to four of them. You may be sending a larger order to that fifth main supplier. This episode is brought to you by Tonkin. Tonkin is the operating system for business operations, providing businesses with the building blocks to orchestrate any process with no code or change management required. Contact us at Tonkin.com to learn how you can build complex processes fast. And if you're interested in staying up to date on all things business operations, join the AdaptiveOps community at operations.community. Got it. Makes absolute sense. I want to chat about automation now. So what are some common challenges that organizations face when implementing supply chain automation and how can they overcome them? So I'm going to answer this from the direct material side. I'm not going to focus on indirect since that's not where I've spent my time the last couple of years. So biggest challenge is process change. People don't want to change. They're used to what they've been doing. It's hard to get people to change how they operate and function on a day-to-day basis. The other big challenge is if you don't get buy-in from the people that are actually going to be using the new tools, they feel like their frustrations, their viewpoints have not been heard, and they're going to be less likely to want to use something versus if you've involved them in the selection process, they feel like they're more bought in and their opinion has been listened to. So you've got to figure out the process change piece, the change management is always the most challenging. The second piece to that is actually figuring out what it is you need to buy. There are so many different software solutions out there. I feel like sometimes the landscape can be really, really overwhelming. And you have so many different things you're doing on a day-to-day basis as a buyer trying to figure out, okay, what software can we actually afford and should we implement that's going to have the biggest impact on my day-to-day operations because I can't invest and buy everything. In our world, we feel purchase order changes is a massive, massive issue and concern for buyers. So that's where we focus our time and energy on source date and is that one specific pain point in the supply chain. Okay, so I'm going to keep chatting going down this automation rabbit hole with Sarah here. But for those who are listening in live, you can start dropping some questions in if you have them as we continue our chat. So... Talking about this automating these processes, what are some of the most important factors to consider when selecting 
and appropriate supply chain automation technology or solution for a particular organization or industry? I would say the most important is going to be what's going to have the biggest impact to revenue. And sometimes that's hard to track and manage, but what at the end of the day is going to impact the bottom line? Now, a lot of times it's not going to misplace jobs and require you to have to lay people off. I know that that can be a misconception. Well, if we're going to implement all the software, I can shrink my team. Really, it's about freeing up the resources from your existing buyers and letting them focus on more strategic activities in the business. I would argue supplier relationships and supplier management is the most important thing that your buyers should be focusing on on a day-to-day basis. And if they are spending half of their day dealing with manual things like email and spreadsheets, they are not having the time that they need to focus on these more strategic activities. In my world, I would argue supply chain visibility is probably the most important thing that manufacturers should be focusing on. And that means having insight into every aspect of your supply chain and knowing where your supply is at every time. So was the purchase order acknowledged? What were the changes that came about from the supplier? Were those changes approved? When did that order ship? Where is that order in the shipment process? When did it arrive? So there's all these different components of the supply chain. And if you don't have visibility into where something is, it's likely going to cause challenges. The other thing I would say that I think is really important, you want to know if your supplier cannot fulfill an order. So Brianna, if you are my supplier and I issue a purchase order and you never acknowledge it and I don't follow up, you may actually not fulfill that order, but I don't know that. So I'm sitting, waiting, thinking that my parts and material are going to arrive on a certain day and time and they don't show up. That is too late for me to go and find an alternative solution. But had I known when I issued that purchase order 60 days ago that you weren't going to be able to fulfill it or that you were maybe only going to be able to fulfill a partial, as a buyer, then I can be proactive and say, okay, 50% of this PO can be fulfilled by supplier A. I now go and need to find an alternative supplier or a couple suppliers to be able to fulfill the rest of it. Having that insight into that supply chain and where that order is, is going to allow me to pivot and be proactive and plan ahead of time. That's a really good example of where automation should be plugged in to alleviate so many issues. And that applies not just to procurement, but to a million different processes within the company. And so that's an expansion opportunity as well for any technology that's implemented there. So you got a shout out from our live audience. Omid Gamami said, shout out to my friend Sarah, who sports the most energetic personality in all of procurement. Thanks, Omid. Omid was on the podcast a couple of weeks back. So we'll be getting his episode out in a couple of weeks. Supply chain is cool and sexy, I promise. (laughs) Yeah, well, you guys help make it that way, I'm sure. So how can organizations ensure that their automation systems are secure and protected from potential cyber threats? This is a very important issue these days. What measures can they take to mitigate that risk? Yeah, so I would argue your biggest risk is manual processes. If you are managing your supply chain in email and spreadsheets, that is a massive risk. It is easy to be hacked. It's easy to have your email systems 
taken over. It's easy for somebody to come in and pull something from a Google sheet or some file. So by using manual processes and things like email and spreadsheet, you are opening your supply chain up to tremendous risk. So by investing in some sort of software, it's likely that the software is going to have security measures and things in place that are much more advanced than those manual systems and things that you've been doing. So investing in some sort of software is probably going to be some sort of upgrade. It's just important to get a sense from the software supplier of what is their process and system. And then what's their plan if something happens? I mean, there's a lot of things that are out of our control. Some system may be hacked or something may break down. And what are they going to do? What's their process in place to be able to pivot and fix something quickly? I would also argue from a security perspective, that is very important and data and the compliance piece is big. But I would also argue that that cannot overshadow the importance of ease of use and the user experience of a platform. If you are going to be requiring a company-wide change and you're going to have the uphill battle with the change management, and then you're going to need suppliers to also buy in and use your system as well, it better darn be easy to use and it better be easy to learn or you're going to have challenges. Yeah, good point. Question from our live audience here on the implementation side. So say we've purchased our automation software and we're trying to get folks to adopt it, right? And there's that change management piece again, but this time for your internal customers, essentially in your company. So how do you present these things and how do you mitigate that issue of change management when you're implementing something new? So the first piece of advice, depending on how expensive the software is, is hire a consultant. It'll be the best money you ever spend. There are consultants that are implementing different systems hundreds of times a year. They know the product inside and out. They know just about every hiccup and challenge that's going to happen. Put it in your budget to hire a consultant to manage the implementation for you. If you try to do it in-house, you already have staffs that are overworked and someone's going to have to pick this up you're going to struggle and potentially spend more money. The second piece is get key stakeholders involved in the beginning and form a committee. So you have strategic people from different departments involved and then have an internal champion that is spearheading that committee. So you're going to have somebody who's probably good at communicating, somebody who has high visibility in the organization leading that group. But if you're going to be implementing, for instance, supply chain software, Accounting needs to be involved and the implementation team needs to be involved, potentially a supplier. So it's not just one department or one person. There's multiple people that have a buy-in and will be impacted and having representation from each is really important. And then once you turn the system on, it doesn't go away. So you want to have a really simple, easy process for people to learn how to use the system and ask questions. And so having some sort of system or person or training internally that is ongoing is very important. I've seen companies who don't think about it or just budget to get through the implementation. And then it's like, okay, well, what next? Yeah, what next indeed? We have another question from our live audience. With all the hype around AI, what implications do you think there are for procurement? So I'm actually really excited about the impact of AI, especially in the direct materials space, to help companies automate very, very manual tasks. 
I would argue that a lot of the buyers that we work with are spending at least half of their day on what I would consider mundane things that could be automated, like sending emails could be automated, sending follow-ups, sending reminders, running reports, doing basic interpretation of reports, pulling a chart, pulling a graph. If that could all be done leveraging AI and the buyer can just come in and have data and things set up and ready to go, she or he can be much more strategic about sourcing alternative suppliers, actually putting supplier management programs in place, working with suppliers on innovation and new ideas. So it just makes your procurement team so much more strategic and they'll have a much bigger impact on your bottom line and revenue. Really well said. Thank you, Sarah. What's the best advice you've ever received in your career? Most important move you'll make is working for the right boss. Find the best boss you can work for and do everything you can to work for them and learn from them. You can work at an awesome company and have a terrible boss and it's not going to go very well. So most important thing you can do is work for a great leader. Yeah. And I think we've all probably listening in have seen both sides of that and know the difference. So very, very good advice. Anything you'd like to plug and what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? The best way to reach me is on LinkedIn, Sarah Scudder Manufacturing Maven. I post content once or twice a day, seven days a week about direct materials procurement and manufacturing. So if those are topics that are of interest to you, feel free to give me a follow and reach out. I would just say... From a direct materials space, figure out how to better collaborate and work with your suppliers and prioritize having visibility in your supply chain. It'll help you be able to manage disruptions and all the craziness that's going to continue to happen. Really well said, Sarah. And I really appreciate you sitting in the interview chair and sharing your knowledge with me. It's really been a pleasure chatting with you. And thanks to everyone listening in. We'll see you all again next time. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Modern Business Operations. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at tonkin.com slash mbopod. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes. 